Um, yeah, and I'm just wanting to actually speak into some of what happened this morning and even what um, some things that are happening in our community that is just really good. I feel like the Lord loves our familiness as a community and he loves our corporate worship. And you know, his, his commandment to us is, Mark 12, that you would love me with everything and that you would love each other. So those are the two things I wanna talk to in this morning. I feel like as a community, we're doing really, really good. In a non-performance oriented, non-works way, non-religious spirit, non-ticking the boxes way, I feel we're doing really good as far as knitting together and becoming family, which takes a journey and it takes intentionality. And we're doing really good at learning how to love him with all of our heart and all of our strength, all of our might, it takes energy to love God. You notice that even this morning? It takes effort to keep loving on his face. It takes energy. So I'm going to speak into those two areas. So my title this morning is Maturing Love. From good to great. Is that how you spell maturing? Not a maturing love. And he's asked us to love him and to love others. Some of us feel more comfortable in the loving him arena. It's maybe an area that we found our healing is just in intimacy with the Lord or worshiping at him at home, just in the secret place or in the presence of God. This is where we feel like this is what I was made for. For some of us, it's actually a journey and to love on him and to feel his presence and to have connection with them on a day-to-day -day level can actually feel like a bit of a journey. Some of us feel very natural in this area. Some of us, for to actually have a bit of connection with another human, it's like, oh, I'm alive. Um, and to have fellowship and to have meals and to have deep or light or laugh conversations or to bring people to the Lord in conversation or to minister, this is where we feel oh, this is, this is my natural bent. And the Lord really wants us to continue to grow in love in both. I'm gonna pick this line first. So this one is all about becoming family. And then family, all learning how to love on God together. I have a natural bent and passion to talk about a particular subject. If we go through the last eight years of this church life, we'll notice it's usually towards a particular thing, and that is when we are in seasons of delay, seasons of fire, seasons of pain, seasons of wilderness, seasons of um, what's, what, what the word can even describe as the dark night of the soul. And some hardships we face, whether they're physical infirmities or whether they are uh, financial issues or whether they are losses, uh, family breakdowns, um, barrenness, um, uh, loneliness, singleness, divorce, those areas, sometimes they're not of God and not in God. And that's when the church is called to war in those areas. We don't stand for that sickness. We don't stand for that delay. And we fight and we prophetically decree and we move through. But biblically, some areas that are delay and fire and it's just hard and it's dark and it's traumatic and there's illness. I'm gonna mess with your theology. And there's lack and there's financial loss. And biblically, 
it is sometimes passed through the Lord's hand, that it's actually part of his plan. He uses prisons, literally in the word, and in our environment where the scripture says when God closes a door, no one can open it, and when God opens a door, no one can close it. And sometimes he closes a door, and then the fire starts on the inside. And we're revealed in the fire. All our disbelief of who he is, the disbelief of his capability, of his, you know, how, how much can God do is revealed to us when he's doing nothing but burning our flesh. And who we are in the fire is who we are. And he takes us into those seasons and they always have an end date. There is always, always an, an end date, but we don't know when they are. Sometimes it's two nights, Paul in prison, I think that was. Sometimes it's 15 years, 20, 30. They always have an end date, but it's always unto something. It's the, one of the most purpose-filled journeys a Christian can go through is in the fire with the Lord. The biggest purpose is we become more like Jesus, which is kind of the goal of our entire life, and he's the only one who can make us like him. So we become refined, but we also become complete believers. Instead of just, I believe you, Jesus, it's now, I believe you. When we're in the fire, we are aware of need. I'm gonna talk about need a bit today. And in the fire, we suddenly have a connection to what we need. I need to get well. I need this marriage to work. I need, I need to get out of this pain. I need money. I, and we suddenly know what we need. And then the fire keeps going. And then the fire keeps going. And one of the purposes of that delay and of the wilderness and of the dark night of the soul is eventually we come through and the only thing on our lips is I need you. It's one of the greatest purposes of the battles of life is we start off with all that we need and in the end it's I just need you, I just need you and we cry out for Jesus and it just becomes all about Jesus and us and that's the transfer and it can take years because if we just choose I need you, that's part of the journey but when we're like no really I just need you, that's I think when we're like okay we're getting to the end of that process now and we can't get ourselves there it's got to, the flesh that's in between all of that has to die first. It's nothing we can get ourselves to. We can't get ourselves quicker through these seasons. But we get to, I need you. And we feel it and we know it. I remember one of the last years I was in the fire, mine was about 15 years, just straight internal pain. And the last year, all my quiet times were one or two hours. The only line I could say is, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you felt so unholy that was it wasn't that I was worshiping and I wasn't decreeing and I wasn't reading this chapter now and I, I was curled up in a ball I need you I need you I need you I need you and by faith telling him who he is you're the fountain you're the supply you're the deliverer you're the provider he is everything and I need you becomes sort of where he gets us to Today, interestingly, I don't want to spend all of this time focusing on my passion, which is that subject. I want to come all the way over here and discuss what it looks like when we're living as believers and we're not in the fire and we're not in pain and we're not desperate for him. And in fact, which is kind of where I'm at now <laughs> in my life, I'm living in his blessings. I have internal peace. I've come through 
I'm living in Australia. It's the land of milk and honey. It really is compared to some places around the world. I have friends. I have family. I'm okay. Do times with the Lord look the same when we're okay as when we're in the fire? It's been a journey for me to go, how do I connect with you, Jesus, when I'm not desperate and I'm not in need? When I'm in peace, how can I need you? And I think in this, his, this invitation for us to go from good, which is I think where lots of us are, to maturing love with him, is what does it look like to love on him and use all of my heart, all of my strength, all of my might to love on you when I'm actually comfortable today? I think one of the greatest challenges of today's Christian is to have an appetite for him when we're comfortable. If we've just had a beautiful lot of food throughout the day and then we sit down, some of us are like, keep eating, but really most of us, it's I'm comfortable. So how can we have an appetite for him when we're comfortable? And I feel he's saying to us, I've brought a lot of this peace and goodness and where you're at. Some of you are still in the fire. We're with you. I'm definitely with you. But if you feel like you're not in suffering, but you're not desperate for him, I wonder if something's wrong. I wonder if some of the blessings he's given us are filling us to a level where we're falling asleep. We'll be falling asleep a little bit. And he's welcoming us into a maturing love. Do you know what maturing love is? You know, in scripture, there's so many scriptures about love him, love each other. Love is a what? Noun or a verb? Okay, so love. It's an abstract noun. So it's a feeling. But it's also, if we love on someone, it's a verb. It's a doing word. And it takes energy and it takes love. So I'm going to come out of where I'm going into let's love on him more maturely. And I'm going to come back to that later. I'm going to go this way. So maturing love. So let's take an example, maybe a dating relationship. It doesn't take a lot of energy to try and have the feelings you have for the person. It's just you're connected to that feeling. You have felt need. I'm going to come back to this word a bit. It's you, you're in touch with that need. I need you. I'm going to see you tonight. Can I see you tomorrow? I'm in touch with a need for you. Sometimes that I need you and I want you and I desire you can sort of wane as years go by, if people continue to be besties or continue to be married, it can wane. The maturing love is I choose you. It's I choose you every day. It's I choose you in this argument. I'm not walking away. It's I choose you when you've just let me down. It's I choose you in the pain. It's I choose you when I wake up every morning. It's an I choose you is a maturing love. And the I choose you is the type of love he wants for us when we have unity in the body of Christ. It's not, I naturally like you. It's not, oh, this life hub is people that are, I guess I could be friends with that one. In the, in the biblical family, it's I choose you because we're blood. Blood. But it's I choose you. It's not according to, because the scripture is like, love God and love each other as yourself. It's not feel love. That's immature love. 
It's not whether I feel it or not, it's even though I don't feel it, I choose you. And then I do a bit of a verb. Maturing love, some examples. If you live with anyone at home, maturing love is, I'll wash your cup and my cup, even though you left it on the table. That's maturing love. I'm giving some examples. <laughs> I'm going to walk a fine line today. Oh, just some people are like, I felt the conviction of Holy Spirit. <laughs> we'll go out with a new task. So, <laughs> it's so mature. I'm going to walk a bit of a tightrope today because all of these have yeah, but, because we don't want to love to the point of enabling someone who's living in chaos and mess and then a a teenager who has all 20 cups in their bedroom, you know, and we just go and wash them every day and it ends up being all 20 again. So it's not enabling love. I'm talking about it's got to cost and it's got to burn. It's it's that you just pick up someone else's thing. It's that you do their load of washing too. Not every time, but... I've started to just in small ways go, where can I burn today in my love? Because if it doesn't cost me, I'm not sure it's maturing love. Otherwise, we're living by felt need and felt love. It's whether we feel it or not. Maturing love is, I'm going to take this to the kitchen. I'm taking that too. It's, I'm just going to sweep that up even though I'm exhausted. I have nothing left. It's, I'm going to wash her car as well as mine. (laughs) Anyone else want me to speak over their husbands? No, just joking. Some women are like, preach it! <laughs> so, I'm just... <laughs> there we go, Richie. Um, maturing love is, is walking out of here and looking for cups to take on your way out, even though um, you're lonely and you don't know who to talk to at morning tea. Maturing love is coming out of the bathrooms at the end of morning tea and going, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean the bin out and take it. Where does the, where's the bin? And clean the toilet bins out. That burns. Oh, it burns me. <laughs> but it's, it's, I'm just going to wipe up that thing that I saw happened instead of waiting for the team who's on duty today to do it. Know what I mean? It's looking for ways to love, and it's a verb, and it, and it hurts the flesh. That's maturing love. So I love talking about how this church can be a family. I'm not sure I've shared Well, I'm not sure everybody knows why, not that you have to know, but it is the gong that I hit the most is family and healing while we're in the family. And and this line in particular, I love to talk about. So I just want to share a little bit, and it's a little bit extreme, but this more intense extreme story is some of the stories of people sitting here Some people are sitting here and you're all they've got. Like literally, people here, whether they contacted by them or not, like you're it. You're someone's family because you you chose to be in this community and you're all that they have. All. And for some of us, we can come here, but we come from something. We come from a blood family. We come from support. We've got friendships out of here. And we come, and this is just a blessing, and this is an extra. Or this is your main, but you've got surplus at work, and you've got surplus. And so there's not the same felt need. So I'd say there's, we need things, but I'd say we don't live according to our need. I'd say we live according to our health need. For example, are you ready? We all need to be fit and healthy. 
Are we living according to that because we know it or are we living according to felt need? But I feel like eating chips in front of the TV today and I'll exercise next week. I feel like that ice cream. We actually go according to felt need, not overarching what a human actually needs. Like, this is another one, it's a bit controversial, but everyone in this room needs humans, needs family and needs this this room. And some of you are like, yes, I need you. You're, I, I wait all week to see you. And the other half of us are like, I don't need people. I'm coming here because it's a thing you're supposed to do on a Sunday. I just, I just wish I didn't have to do connection. So can you see that we're all sitting in different places? That means we're not going according to the overarching need, which we actually all need this, by the way. We're going according to felt need new person walks in, every new person joining our family needs to be known and someone to connect with them. But are we all doing that? Oh, I need to feel comfortable and that would feel awkward to talk to a new person, so I won't. We actually live according to felt need. Do you ever have a felt need for something sweet? I'm gonna gonna ask some more. Do you ever have a felt need for some connection that's, that's physical, a hug? a pat, physical intimacy, sexual intimacy. Are you ever connected to that need? Do you have a need to wine and dine and shop? (laughs) Oh, there's a need, found it! (laughs) Do you have a need, a felt need, to watch the footy? Do you feel like, oh, it's on this afternoon, the world stops? That's felt need, I do not have that felt need. Let me ask some more. Do you have felt need to spend two hours with, in the Word and with the Lord each day? We need it, but do we have a felt need? Do I have a felt need to read the Word every day? We need it more than anything. Do I have a felt need? See how we live according to the feeling need, not the overarching need? Do I have a felt need to come to prayer sets during the week? Silence. There's no shame on this. I'm just teaching that I am realizing I live by felt need and not actually what the Lord designed us to need. The Lord designed us to need to love on him and worship him. He needs it from us. He loves it, but he's actually like, no, you need it for you even because you need me, like you need me. But do we have a felt need for him? There would have been a range this morning There would have been some people in the fire who actually you can't even sing the words. I know that place. So I'm not talking about whether you're behaving or doing or singing out loud. Sometimes to even utter the worship song is all you've got to give. So I'm leaving that, I'm honoring that. But over here, sometimes we can have a felt need to then worship him, so then we do it. And other times it's like, I just don't feel that, so I won't. Other times, the people who are ah, and singing and silent and singing and uh, scriptures and silent and singing and tongues don't feel it at all. But they're doing it because they know they need it. That's living according to overarching need instead of felt need. So now I want to talk about family. The Lord has designed that the body of Christ lives like an organism, completely knitted together, and it looks a lot like not Australians. 
because Australians who are, um, we're actually under a stronghold, a corporate stronghold of busyness, of independence, of awkwardness if you see the internal life of my family, of awkwardness if you're a new person, and not habitually having an extra person at their table each night or someone staying with them for a season in need. It's not the, the, the en masse general. It is definitely happening. It's definitely happening in families in this church because we're doing good. We're doing really good. But from take to good to great, family actually looks like what it looks like when it's blood. It's bumpy, it's lumpy, it's not easy, it's exposing, and everybody has a place and everyone is welcome. And those people who are really in suffering have a place to go. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about my story. So we grew up in Botswana in Africa in a mining community where every expatriate person working there, so non-local born, is from different nations around the world come to work at a copper and nickel mine. And so these people feel like there's a huge difference between them and the local people in every single way and there's complete ease between them and the local people and friendships most of my <laughs> my best friends in primary school and high school were some of the local girls and guys but the thing that happens is you watch all of these expats go and they're like not a single family in that town has a blood family none most of them have young kids, they've come for a four-year contract, and suddenly there's a tennis club, or this club, or this club, and there's a church and everything, and you can tell expats because they're in each other's lives, because you're it. You're the grandmother to my kid, you're the auntie to that, you're my sister, you're my, you're, that's it. So my norm was being in different people's houses and fellowshipping and, and no aunties that were blood and no grandmas. They still wrote to us got our names spelt wrong on the cards every year, but <laughs> there was not much connection between Botswana and New Zealand in those days. You know, there wasn't Facebook and there wasn't Skyping and, there, you know, it literally was a card every now and again and every four or six years go back to New Zealand and go, oh, you're my family. I just met more cousins two years ago. But the fact is my family were this. My family were the body of Christ, which was a mixture of local and expatriate people. Went to high school, lived in a boarding house. So my sister is you in my room. You're, you know, just sharing. So I am I'm comfortable with non-blood being this. My mother for six years in high school was Kathari's mother. She was my boarding home mother. So I lived in that home in Zimbabwe, and she was that influence, and it's, you're not blood, but you're my mother. So that was natural for me. Went to Bible college in South Africa, shared a house with 30 girls, 10 in my room, one bathroom. I loved it. I loved it. I, it was one of my favorite things of that year, because I'm like, you're, you, 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 we're it. You're my family. You girls, that's who I've got. And that was my community. So then huge losses as continue to move. Huge losses every time. Because I've lost everything. I've lost my core. I didn't just move and lose my church, but at least I've got my family. I lost my family with each country move. Went from South Africa to New Zealand. Jessica had moved there the year ahead of me, my sister. Um, some cousins I met that I didn't know. And there we go, another nation. And I walked in going, I'm getting a bit tired of using my heart to just build a whole new community, but here we go again. And you just choose people. Okay, it's nice to arrive in this church. You're going to be my sister. You're my mother. You're my... And an expatriate does that. Someone who moves internationally 
Am I hearing a yes from Gabby and Florian? You actually go, you're it. I got no one but you. Got no babysitters either, so we've got to be friends. And it really becomes all that you do. That's Tim and Kath here from Zimbabwe. It's like you're, you literally are fam the only family to some people here. So I went to New Zealand, went through those years, and really started to fall apart. It was getting to one too many country moves, and I kept losing my entire core each time. Just got involved in the church, got into leadership, leading everything, completely broken on the inside. And um, I was known as that girl who cries in worship all the time. But I, I, I just, the grace of the Lord was in my, it, the, I think the song in that time was, he gives and takes away, he gives, and that was just my anthem. So much loss, but Jesus, you are a giver. Keep telling him who he was and sobbing and bending and yielding to being in this new land. But it was just so hard. And those were four years of, I'd say that was actually depression. And then I ended university, came through on a, on a holiday for two weeks to see Tim and Kath uh, Hurry, who had just moved to Perth, came through just for two weeks. And as the plane landed, the Lord said, like audibly, you're home. And I was just coming for a two-week holiday. In that two weeks, got a job offer as a teacher. And so went on to Africa for Christmas, came back and started my new life here with 20 kg suitcase. And now this heart that builds worlds around her is getting really tired. So I got given a community of a school because I was a teacher. I got literally given, here's staff you'll see every day, here's students, you can love as much as you want. I didn't have to try and find any humans. It was a big, fat blessing. But outside of that job, so that, that, that job became my church. It was a Christian school. It was, we prayed together. That was my this. That was my this. But as some of you know, in my second year here, and I started building family and building some, I had one particular best friend I built by this, my second year here. And that's when we took the trip to Thailand and we took students on the missions trip. And some of you know this story. I'm not going to go into it. But that's where we were struck by lightning and people died and people were burnt and my teacher friends were killed and the students were burnt. And it was a huge traumatic journey. I was struck and came back and I didn't have a network. I didn't have doctors. I didn't know how psychologists work. I didn't know, I didn't have a family. Tim and Kath had their own trying to settle here journey going on, so they tried and they were very good to me and they're the ones who picked me up from the airport when we were hiding from the cameras and the news crews and, and, and they were very good to me out of the limited capacity that they had. I think they were just having Josh at that stage and, um, and so I lost so much with that accident and then my one best friend who was in that accident with me severed that relationship after that. In that season, I'd gotten to know that there's some Zimbabweans up in Joondalup and through seeing some older people from my past when I was in South Africa the year before, um, they just really took me in. So I was living in Rockingham in my second year, driving up there. The son of one of the families lived in Mauritius. I'd known him in high school. We wrote for a year. He moved here to marry me. And after that accident, he moved here a month later. I just knew it was a no. There was no peace on it. We tried. I ended it. I lost him. I lost his family. I lost all the Jindalup crowd, and I lost the entire church that had become my church. And I had zip. No one. I had nothing. No bloodline. Zero. Rachel wasn't in the country. No bloodline. No history with any relationships except the Hurries who had almost nothing left trying to move here and make people their family. Nothing except a school community. The one best friend I had, 
I think I just heard, I think I heard her and confused things and that was all she could do was cut it off. So I had nothing. I went to a church in, just further down in Rockingham and I was at the end and I remember the speaker was talking on tithing and he said, um, tithing isn't just, you know, your 10%, but he actually talked about that we can even love the Lord by maturing our love with our tithing to the point where it burns. And I went, ah, oh, I actually have nothing in the bank, nothing, nothing this week. <laughs> and just in that moment, I'm like, I have no savings left. I didn't have a credit card, but had nothing. But I knew I needed to offer him out of my nothing. That's maturing love. And the only piece of thing I had that was valuable was the ring on my finger, the gold ring with 10 diamonds that my parents had bought for my 21st. And for me, it represented all my history in Africa. And I took it off and I wrote on a piece of paper, I give you Zimbabwe, I give you Botswana, I give you New Zealand, I give you all my past everythings and I choose to trust you that you're going to give me a family of my own. Of this, I had nothing, no one, no one. I popped that in the offering box and sent that off. Later that year, paradox started and here I am. Like literally the Lord knows what we need and he brought me to the most incredible family I've ever had. Rachel then flew in. And then, I know some of you must look at our biological family. We're all in this church, my parents, my sisters. We haven't lived in the same town for 21 years until this year. 21 years we've all been separated out, just with displacement and displacement trauma. No husband, I had nothing. Looking after myself, looking after myself, the Lord heard it. But as I, we came into Paradox Church, I went, okay, so my 20s I had no safety net. That was my truth, that if I would battle, this is in New Zealand, I'm like, there's nothing. I have to know how to provide, how to look after myself. I just remember going, there's no net, so this is what I need to do. Starting the church, I felt the fire of God go, that shouldn't be so for anyone in the family. And he said to me, out of your lack, out of your not having churches, out of your losing churches, help build this family in your singleness, in your lack of your own private need, be a mother to this church and build this family to be a net that no one should feel that there's no support. And the scriptures have come to me so much about the Lord always says, especially look after the widow, the orphan, and the sojourner, the alien to this country. That's his main three. That's So a widow, I believe, covers male or female who's single, especially to death or to divorce. Look after those that have none of their own, people like me. Look after the orphan, people who come into this community and their parents are not Christians. They can't talk to them at home or they're rejected by them because they're becoming Christians or they literally, you're their only support. And the sojourner, we need to notice if someone's coming from another culture or another region in, New Ze in Australia or has come from Sydney. Like you're it to a whole bunch of people. Did you know that? And for some of us, that's an actual stress. It's like, I can't be everything to everyone, no. But if everyone was everyone to someone, it, to, to people, it would work. If it's just Life Hub leaders or a particular few being everyone to, to everyone, it's gonna burn us out. But the Lord wants the church, the bride, to look after the bride. His passion is that every single person has at least one couple who's adopted them. People like me, we actually need a family to adopt us. I don't know where I'd be in those first five years of Paradox Church if Brad and Lisa had not adopted me. 
they literally adopted me and it looked like, because I was in such a wilderness and pain, it looked like dropping off meals, answering the phone again, putting me on speaker, listening to me wail, crying, crying, crying. It looked like arriving picked me up. It looked like me sleeping on their couch sometimes. We need to adopt someone who doesn't have as much as us. Um, and Brad and Kylie have become that more recently. It's just a family to go to, someone to sit on a couch with, watch a movie, and I can actually touch them. We don't get touched much. If we're widows, divorced, single, we don't get touched much at all unless someone here hugs us. That's it for the week. So to actually just lean and just go, oh, I'm human again. I can feel my levels coming up if I just have some family time. Or if I'm invited to join the chaos of a family dinner at another person's house, I'm now amongst children and screaming and whatever. I'm like, oh, I just get to drink in some familiness. It's not a threat. Bring us into your chaos. Battling couples need to be adopted. There's people here whose partner isn't here. They need to be adopted and shepherded through that. That's really hard. Or if their, their husband or wife is, is away from the Lord. Teenagers and children in this church need adopting. Older people in this church need adopting. And if we just all took on some people and extended our table, that's maturing love because you know what it costs. It actually is not easy to set another place. When it's not blood, it's not easy at all to open your bedroom to someone who's not managing and to go come and stay. And it's two weeks and it's four weeks. And then come on, let's get back up again. I'm talking, there's a fine line I'm talking about. There's also community services type of health if someone's mental health's too low. But there's actually people in this room, you're it. And they could even do with just coming and staying for a weekend and having some family put back into them. It's you are going to their place and doing their lawns because they're single or because they're working all the time to bring in the, the money for their children and there's no other partner. Or It's being aware of need, in particular if there's someone new who walks in. If you've never seen them before, maturing love, let it burn you and walk up to them, hi, I'm so-and-so. And you don't have to take them on. Just go, I'm going to take you with me. Here's this person. And just help them into the family. It doesn't mean you have to take them on. But maturing love is, this is uncomfortable to talk to you. This is uncomfortable to invite you out to lunch today because I was going to go home and watch a sport match. Felt need. But true need is the Lord. You actually need to love people. It's actually a need that the Lord has given us, but it doesn't mean we feel it. Does that make sense? And there is a, a, a living organism of unity that I think we're good at, but we're not great at. And it, it takes intentionality to have connection. And intentionality is not comfortable. Calling. How are you texting? My husband and I are going to the movies. Anyone want to join us? Like Teresa did this week. It's, it means they lose something because they were going to have some connection time. And again, I'm walking the tightrope. It doesn't mean don't have your marriage and friend and rest on your own times. He, don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't fall off this way. But don't live according to felt need. Live according to the burn of maturing love and just take someone with you and that you're, you're more than someone to that person you might just take with you. Just, be, just live aware, live looking, live not turning off need. Does that make sense? Before I get on to we need to apply this then also this way. Yeah. Was that too deep? Okay. So, sorry. 
Thanks, Marty. So obviously this is like a commandment, and I'd say any commandments from the Lord are for us, not against us. <laughs> but even in 1 John 4.21, this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. That the, the, the person who just loves God, it should be that we love our brother. And if we don't feel that love, something's wrong. Something's wrong if we don't actually just love people. It means something's broken, or we're living according to felt need, or we've been too ma- doing too many shoulds. A lot of ministry, a lot of helping people, but our heart's not connected. It's got to be on a heart level. If anyone's hearing this through, I've got to do more, and this says shoulds, that's called PO. It's not add to my list. It's take some things off my list, because this is the core. If there's things on our list, and now I've got to add this, take them off do less ministry, do less this, do less this, because this is actually at the foundation of, if you are alive and you're a Christian, family, it has to be in our diary. It should be leading things. Does it? Does interconnection outside of Life Hub happen? And if it's not, something's wrong. It means we're living according to felt need because biblically there's no greater thing outside of connection with him than connection with each other in this room. Nothing, no greater thing. And if we've got other greater things, we need to take them off the list. Unclutter the diary and extend the dinner table. Does that make sense? Someone who's been sharing that they're on a bit of a journey with this, Brad Holt, can you just come up and just give some examples? So one of the Life Hub leaders in our community, I respect you, you've taken me on as family, you have been probably burnt sometimes because I'm like, I need to stay over, I need a family, and you've been very good to me and shared your wife with me so much, but um, we've been in conversation about felt need, and Brad's been going, I've been living according to what I'd like to do rather than what the Lord would have us live by, so he's just wanting to confess some sin. (laughs) I didn't know that part. Yes, you did. <laughs> okay. So, was there a time when you recognised you were living led by felt need instead of maturing love? Felt need? What's that? He'd never heard about this. No idea at all. Um, didn't know a thing about it. Excuse me, I've, I've got to read this, otherwise I won't. No. I had no needs myself, and I wasn't aware of others' needs either. So, like... Kylie, family, friends, Life Hub family. Until someone explains some things to me. Get a good chat. You'll know who. <laughs> and then I realised that any felt need that I did have looked like, no, just knocking off at the end of the day with Kylie, being at home, watching TV, or um, food, especially a steak sandwich down the rainbow. <laughs> Those of you who know me well enough. Um, or watching the football. So he's connected to a need for footy, food, family. Yes. But not aware that there's actually need in this room or in community or in his life hub or that he actually had needs that are Brad's needs as far as intimacy and connection and, and all of that went. So what did a general week look like for you when you were not aware of maturing love? Um... 
not knowing all this, um, I just was basically just going through the motions every day. So just working, covering family commitments, business, property maintenance, leading Life Hub, just simply doing. That was my week. Okay, so if you were just living, doing, and going through the motions and not maturing love, what were some of the spiritual results or outcomes of living according to that? Yeah, no real results. Um, I had written here without need and knowing it, but just was like stunted spiritual growth. That's what, what, my, what my experience was. So, yeah, not needing to dig in spiritually because I just felt okay. So what were some of the relational outcomes of living according to your felt need rather than maturing love? Mm, well, I've got heaps of mates, tons of friends, you know, but um, no one that I really had deep connection with. Deep connection. Knowing, you know. Um, and that's, that's a work in progress. Um, also meant that other people were carrying my load as well. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> Grant Sorrell. Others, Kylie especially. Um, and yeah, just not realising my need and others' needs, I was just missing out on true connection. So it could even be that earlier in the year, it's like, Brad, do you, do you need to have male-to-male connection? He's like, I, I just don't, like, so, so I'm fine. But I think there's an overarching thing where we're, desired, we're designed for connection. So he was not in touch with that and the fruit was no connection. So what have been some changes or some outcomes since you've been getting in touch with this internal reality? Okay. So now, begin being um, intentional, especially on connecting with some of the guys, um, especially in, in our life hub. Um, so organising catch-ups and being available if there was a need being expressed to me. So um, normally I'm just feeling like I'm okay. So everyone else must feel the same way, you know. They'll let me know if they want to see me, but... You know, I wasn't being intentional in, in the real, real connection. So that's starting to happen. Um, and just being more involved in personal corporate and corporate prayer. So um, in, in, intentionally there, spiritually. Um, and I'm starting to feel Holy Spirit's closer and giving me words to share. So um, it's pursuing, in, pursuing ongoing heart ministry for this as well. You're amazing. Do you have any encouragement for us learning to not live according to our own felt need? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you've probably heard the saying, eat to get hungry. All right. So as we get hungry naturally and we eat to fill that need, um, I just feel like we need to eat spiritually, which brings a hungry hunger to keep going spiritually um yeah and for the things of god and for the connection with, with people so it's a matter of actually starting to do it to bring on that hunger for it whereas i was just too relaxed and sitting back and just doing my thing and there was no hunger so yeah that's that's what it was you're a champion you're a champion thank you Your vulnerability is leadership, Brad. Thank you for that. 
That's precious. Yeah, so Bill Johnson teaches on um, spiritually, so naturally when you're hungry you eat, spiritually you don't feel like pressing in, so do it anyway in order to start getting an appetite for it, especially reading the Word. Just if you start doing it, looking for Him in it, start in Psalms or read it going, I'm going to look for His kindness in it or something about him, and just start reading, you'll find that hunger begins to come, especially if you pray, Lord, make me hungry. In the worship time, it could, it could be just press in anyway, and then in, in your worship, go, Lord, make me hungry, Lord, make me hungry, Lord, make me hungry. So in the scripture, it does say, you praise me with your words, so that could be us this morning, it could be, um, so it's in Matthew 5, 8, it's also in Isaiah 29, 13. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So if this became a should thing, so now I'm moving into this one. If this became a should thing that we need to grow in maturing love and start pressing into the Lord, even though it burns our flesh and we don't feel like it, is he saying if it becomes a should thing and, and you're saying the things, but your heart is far from me, then that's actually not what we're going for. So if we start coming to the presets, if we start entering in more and more in pre-service prayer and in worship and worship, because the presets are both worship and intercession, and it's vulnerable. It exposes everything. It exposes to me that I, I don't like praying on the microphone. Like, I really battle in those sets. Keep giving the microphone back to Grant. <laughs> He's around. But it's, I actually don't. I, I, I engage prayer like this, or I'll do it in tongues, but to pray, it feels to me like I, I'm awkward. And that's okay, because then we become more comfortable in it. So that, you know, as Rachel said on the Tuesday morning in our leaders one, just that Jesus said, I feel so safe with you guys when you're praying. So he was literally in the middle of us. And then he started dancing, not like ballroom, but it was um, interpretive. And he was just moving and moving. And then he invited us to join him. So we all did it with eyes closed as much as possible, but literally, and we try not to leave the mat. Oh my gosh, that's hard for me. I'm a walker and prayer, so this, you know, some of, some of you guys are too. We're starting to wear a path here with the prayer sets. <laughs> you are, but, but, but then Rachel's like, no. And about 10 times I turned to leave and then come back to the carpet. It's, let's do this really close to each other because that reveals. It reveals that we're awkward and we don't know how to do it together. But here we were dancing. Kev Smith dancing, Brad just dancing, Andrew over there. And I saw dancing. If, if anyone walked past the door, it's like, this is where they're sending people now. And they're <laughs> <laughs> when they're needing extra support. And that's obviously something that they're, they're all seeing things. Um, but... But it, it, Jesus likes it. Jesus likes it. And maturing love is Jesus likes it. And Jesus is worthy of our praise. And Jesus is worthy of us going, you're so capable, you're strong, you're awesome, and telling him who he is. I just love him up. You're so capable, you're so strong, you're so powerful. You're so, he's like, oh, nom, nom, nom. he really likes it. It doesn't have to be that he's far away up there and we're just throwing words to the ceiling. He just likes to get some love. And it costs us. Love costs. If you are not feeling lots of love for whoever your most intimate is, but you choose to just verbally just cover them with words of affection, it costs. But that's maturing love. Or I'll just touch his face if I'm just looking at him prophetically. Or I'll just... 
mm, whatever I'll start loving someone else or you know whatever it looks like it's gonna burn you know like the whole thing of we have our different love languages Jesus has all of them he's all of them he needs it whatever is not natural to us even it's like burn and give it to him he needs to be told he's the bee's knees and we are designed to need to tell him that we actually need maturing love in our worship to him we need to do the coming in and going out every day it costs to drive here it costs to give an hour you know you don't have to stay the whole time 10 minutes an hour and a half it costs to get home late it costs to arrive here unshowered from work it costs to be close it costs when it's a blocky spirit kind of meeting and we're not getting anywhere and then it's like that wasn't really worth anything it was you grew some muscles it it costs but that kind of word comes with love it's so weird to think that love and cost aren't together that's immature love that's you're so hot right now I want to sit next to you love it, it is that's oh Jesus you did this for me today I want to just tell you you're amazing that's it impacted me and so I'm feeling love that's felt need maturing love is I don't feel you I'm tired I'm exhausted, I don't want to love on you, but you are worthy of my energy. It's so interesting that the scripture finishes off with, um, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, not the part that feels like it, but the parts that don't, and with all your soul, even the fleshly part of it, and with all your might. He's like, it takes energy to love me energy that a lot of us don't have some days when we've just dealt with the fourth kid that's vomiting and when we haven't slept the night before and when work's been like this he's like love on me because you need it and I like it Joshua 23 11 so take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God diligently verb love on God diligently love on God Joshua 23 11 diligently doesn't mean Sunday morning that's like really not lots diligently is like all the time love on me in a maturing love with all your strength Psalm 26 8 I love the habitation of your house Lord and the place where your glory dwells but if we don't feel love for this place and for us as a temple if we don't feel the love of what happened here on the, this morning which was okay moving from good to great anyway it's already gone up the line but if we don't love it something's wrong and I'm wondering if we're sitting on felt need rather than maturing love and I think if we just chose to love it and chose to sow into it and chose to give into it and chose to like this is freaky and people are yelling and now everyone's quiet and they're all speaking in a tongue I don't know and just just like move your toes in your seat and that can just be what happens the next Sunday that ministers to the Lord that's so brave that is so wonderful or that you did this because all you can do is this because I can't sing the words because I'm in so much suffering that's called loving on him and he sees that you don't have to be like this person the people who are really bouncing around in the Lord it's actually not their personality we can't go well that's how they do it and that's because they're called it's really I choose to be undignified because Lord you're worth it the freedom we're seeing more and more and more and here just don't think it's personality it's not it's I choose to love you I choose to love you it's maturing love that's starting to happen here on a Sunday but any tiny 
movement forward to interacting with in a way that costs. That's, that's maturing love. So well done. That's great. Really well done. Well done. Wanting to finish up because the children are needing their parents. <laughs> yeah. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me. Their worship of me is based on human rules they have been taught. That's a scripture. <laughs> Isaiah 29, 13. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on human rules they have been taught. There's no shoulds on how worship should look, but let's make sure we don't come here with shoulds that we've learned of church culture. Let's come out of all of that. Let's not worship according to what the rules are of worship. Let's worship according to our maturing love. Does that make sense? Let's burn. Let's take on the challenge to go, we're great. No, we're not. Sorry, you're not great. <laughs> you're not. Our love is good. You personally are great. <laughs> to corporately, we're not great. Corporately, as someone who's assessing those sorts of dynamics, family-wise, we're not great. A lot of us are having knockoff having our little drink, watching our little show night after night, and there's people in this community like you're it for them. So, uh, But even if you're in need, you can be giving too. So everyone is to be given. But we're not great, but we're good. And corporate worship is good. And what's happening here in the sessions is hard, awkward, but good. But let's go great. But great means a corporate choice to burn, our flesh to burn. It, flesh burn, let's love each other better. When we go out there, just give a little bit more. And in our worship and in our intercession, come to the prayer sets, go, it's going to burn for me to get there. And drive going, flesh burn, flesh you burn. Like, it's good. Burn that sucker. It doesn't suit you. And it's not going to help you spiritually. And it, just burn, get here, and then start loving on him in ways that are not sleepy. Is that all right? Okay. Let's pray. So this is an invitation for you to choose to die. And actually, the whole sanctification process is Jesus bringing us to death. More and more, our flesh to death, our flesh to death, our flesh to death. That's the journey of sanctification. Another part of us dies and becomes more like Jesus. Another part of us dies and becomes like Jesus. So I'm inviting you to choose death, which costs but it's how he has asked us to live. Love God, love each other. Love God, love each other. It's got to burn. Yeah. There is no shame in this room or on what I'm saying, but I'm just, if you want to just repent to the Lord of any passivity in the loving each other or loving God or living according to felt need, just do that between you and him just now. I'm just giving space for that. It's got to be a conviction from him. Holy Spirit's the only one that can convict us. Amy can't. So you just listen to him. If there's been any repentance, the Lord forgives you. He completely forgives you. He completely forgives you. He completely forgives you. He washes us white as snow. Thank you, Jesus. 
Jesus, would you teach us how to die like you did? You lived uncomfortable, homeless, marriageless, childless, financialless, possibly at times. Exhausted, moving to another town, costing yourself, not settled, not developed job. You lived with your flesh, not that you had much or any, but you lived costing yourself for us. And then you actually went to die, die for us. And then you said, the greatest thing that a man can do is lay his life down for his friend. And you're asking us to do that, not by pushing someone and standing in front of a bus, although that can be fine, but you're actually going, can you die for your brother and sister next to you? Can you burn a little bit? Can you put your need down and meet another need? It's the greatest thing we can do is lay our lives down for each other in this room. God, we invite you to burn our flesh, move us from felt need to maturing love with each other. But Father, oh, more than anything, move us from living in felt need to maturing love when it comes to you, when it comes to prioritizing loving on you in our day or just receiving from you in our day or just catching moments with you in our day and corporate prayer and corporate worship of you. Jesus, would you teach us? Would you give us a hunger? Would you make us hungry? Would you make us hungry for the more? If we're numb there, Jesus, light a fire, make us hungry. Turn that light on and, and burn the flesh that surrounds it, the self-satisfying and the comfortableness and living according to our appetite. We're not getting anywhere with that, Jesus. Forgive us and make us hungry for you. Burn our flesh. We love you. We love you. We just thank you that in your light we see light, so we thank you for what you have said to us today. Thank you for what you have told our hearts through this message. We lift off any other expectation or shoulds or to-do lists that anyone might feel from this message. And we just thank you for the goodness that comes with good, strong encouragement to be more like you. We choose to be like you. Help us to lay our lives down. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you all. Go be family to someone.